What is good, yo? Welcome to this scripture study. I hope y'all are ready for the word. We're reading out of Luke 18. But before we start, go ahead and share this with somebody. Share this with one of your friends, co-workers. I don't, care who, I don't care if it's your grandma. Share this with somebody because the word of God and the gospel is not meant to just be uh, received to ourselves. It's meant to be shared to everyone else. So go ahead and share this real quick. But we're reading from Luke 18. And oftentimes, Jesus spoke in parables. He did this all the time. And his goal with the parables was to speak in stories because surprisingly enough, when you speak in stories, it actually gains the attention of the listener. So Jesus knew that he could gain the attention of those listening to him by speaking in stories. And these stories are are broken down into many different levels. You have the surface level, but if you if you uh, meditate on these and read through them and really think about what they're saying, there's so many different levels to the parables that Jesus gives. And today we're going to be reading from two separate parables, the parable of the persistent widow and the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And Jesus uses um, very charged and extreme language in his parables so you can really get the point of what he's trying to say. So I want to go ahead and hop into this. We're going to read from the first one that's in Luke 18 verse 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. So right off the bat, we see two completely separate characters here, right? We have the judge that didn't really care about God. He's like, whatever, God, I don't care. I I ain't scared of no God. He didn't fear God and he didn't care about people. Now, This shows how drastic Jesus gets in these parables, because what kind of judge doesn't care about people? Like, like you become a judge because you want to see justice for other people. But this judge didn't fear God and he just completely could have cared less about people. And then you have a widow and being a widow in this uh, period of time, I mean, it was kind of a tough deal, right? Because, uh, the, the woman's role in the family and in the marriage in this period of time was just to, you know, take care of the house and, and go grab water from the well and do all that. And it was the husband's job to kind of lead the house. So this means that her husband's dead. So she's already in a bad situation, a tough situation, being a widow, period, let alone being a widow in this period of time. And so here you have a judge that is just heartless. And then you have a woman who is having to be extra dependent than what she normally would have. So Jesus is already setting up two completely separate characters in this parable. On the verse four, the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? I love this parable. There's so many layers to break down. So let's go ahead and start breaking this down bit by bit. So 
the first contrast that Jesus makes is you have this terrible, ugly, hateful, unjust judge that in the end, because this widow was so persistent, she didn't give up. He made a just decision and he contrasts this with the goodness and the justice of God, because you have a God who doesn't just sit up in heaven and not, not care about his people or care if, you know, things go right or wrong. We have a God that loves us. We have a God that wants to see justice and he wants good things for his children. Jesus says this multiple times. God wants good things for his kid. He's a good, good father. So if, if a judge who doesn't care about people will eventually do the right thing because you're persistent, then you can only imagine what God will do for his children that he already loves. And what Jesus is wanting us to see is that it, that we need to be persistent in prayer. I mean, this is what the first verses say to us is that Jesus was given this story so he can show his disciples that you always need to pray and never give up. Because I think the issue is, is that in this time period, but also in our lives today, we expect God to be like a McDonald's, right? We expect God to be a McDonald's where we we pull up, we go to God when we're hungry, when we need something, and we expect that we can just give him our order. And then we expect that our currency is just um, reading the Bible a few times or doing something nice for somebody and that'll pay for our meal that we want. And then we can just drive right next to the next window and get exactly what we ask for. We expect God to kind of be like a drive through God, right? Where we can just go to him and get what we want instantly. But that's not always how God operates. A lot of times when you go to God, God is more like a, a gourmet restaurant where you go ahead and make your order and you make your request and you ask for what you want and you have to wait a little bit. Sometimes you have to wait a little bit longer than you would even like because God is back in the kitchen whipping up something so much better than you would have ever expected. But Jesus is really pinning on the importance that we can't just expect instant gratification or instant answers from an intentional God. But he doesn't want us to give up because of this. Because the picture of the the woman who is a widow who lost her husband, who has no way of providing for herself, is a picture of us. And God wants us to continue to come to him and ask him time and time again, not because God wants us to beg, not because God wants to just see us crawl back to him and because he wants to feel needed or wanted. God doesn't need any of that. But God wants to see if you will have enough faith to believe that he will do the right thing in the end, that God will eventually bless you with what he's promised. He wants to see if you'll have faith enough to keep coming back, to keep going to him instead of going to another source. Because whatever this woman was needing justice for, I'm sure there was ways that she could have got the justice that she was looking for. If somebody owed her money, I'm sure there could have been a point in time where she said, you know what, forget this judge. I'm just going to go hire somebody to take this dude out. Like, you know what I'm saying? There's so many different avenues that we can go to try and get what we want. But Jesus is saying, don't go run to other places. Don't give up so easily because you have a God that wants to give you good things. But I want to see you be persistent and, and be diligent in your faith that you will trust that God will do the just thing in the end, even if you don't see him working it out now. 
and we know that this is true by the last verse and by what Jesus says. I'll repeat it again. He says, I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? This is the looming question. And this is why he gives this parable. Jesus is wanting to know when I return, how many people are going to have enough faith that they will continue to trust in God even when they don't see the results that they're looking for. I love these parables. There's so much cool stuff in them, but we're going to hop into the next one. This is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. This is verse 9 in Luke 18. Then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like the other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So we can pull a few things from this in comparison to the last parable that Jesus just gave. Because in the last parable, Jesus made a very clear distinction between the two characters. You had the judge who ain't care about nobody, who was heartless, didn't fear God. And then you had the widow who lost everything and she's just doing anything she can to find justice, to be right. And so here we have the same thing. Two completely different characters. You have the Pharisee who... On the outside is tippity top. Like this dude is dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's. He doing everything. This man know all the Bible verses. He go to church every Sunday. And then you got this tax collector, right? Dude that taking money from people, hanging out with the wrong crowd, probably don't even know a single verse from the Bible. You know what I'm saying? You, you have these two distinct characters. One who on the onset is so much better or higher up than the other. But look who gets justified in the end. It's the tax collector. It's the one who by the world's standards would have never been chosen by God, would have never been justified by the standards of the world. And it's the Pharisee, the one that the world thought, oh, he's the bomb. Society thought these are the people we should try and be like. We're the very ones that they should have been trying to be completely different from. And there's so many cool things in this parable, and I want to break this down. And I think the most interesting part is the first verse. Two men went to the temple to pray. There's so much importance in that first verse. And I think Jesus knew exactly what he was setting up because what's so cool is when – because reading the Bible nowadays, after all this happened, we're able to look at what's happening before and after Jesus has given these parables. And this is what's so cool. Two men went to the temple to pray. So they're at the temple. The reason why you go to the temple is so you can be in God's presence because God set up the tabernacle originally with Moses, which then turned into the temple so that he can dwell amongst his people. The temple was a very special place for the presence of God to be in. And so that's why they had these very strict laws of 
um, the priest that they could actually enter the Holy of Holies because if you had any sin, if you had any defect or issue, you would instantly die because imperfection and sin could not be in the presence of a perfect God. But the temple is where people went to pray and sacrifice and be near the presence of God. But this is what's cool about being able to see what happens later in the Bible, because we know that because Jesus died on the cross, we no longer have to rely on a physical temple to be in God's presence because Jesus became the temple and through him, we are the temple. The people are the temple. It says this in first Corinthians that we, the followers of Christ are the temple. So here you have two people who both represent a temple at the temple and we get to see between these two people whose temple is the good one because on the outside the outside appearance of the pharisees temple he looking splendid i mean this dude is looking nice he got the modern look he got the nice clothes the stone on the building of the temple is sweet but on the inside when you actually go into the temple you don't find god's presence there's nothing there Ain't it disgusting? Look at this prayer he said again. He said, I thank you, God, that I ain't like the other people, them cheaters, sinners, adulterers. Could y'all imagine the type of prayer that this would sound like if it was in our modern day? God, I thank you that I ain't like them Democrats, them, them conservatives. God, I thank you that I ain't like them black folk. I thank you I ain't like them white folk. I thank you I ain't like them Karens that be calling the police. Like, could y'all imagine what this prayer would be like? Like you sitting there thinking that you that you perfect in the sight of God and you trying to trash other people. But he said, I'm glad I'm certainly certainly not like that tax collector. So this Pharisees, if he was a temple, right? The outside of his temple looks great, but on the inside is empty. And then you have the other temple, which is the tax collector. And on the outside, his temple does not look good. Nobody wants to be around it. It's stinky. It smells. But look at the prayer that he says. Instead of him saying, I'm better than other people. Thank you that I'm not like them. Thank you that I'm good because I do all the good things I need to do. He says, look, God. I'm messed up, bro. I'm so jacked up and I don't know what to do. I wonder what would happen if we prayed that type of prayer. And I hope we all do because no matter how hard we try, no matter how good we are, without the salvation of Jesus, we're going to continue to fall short. We're going to continue to need salvation time and time again. But on the inside of this tax collector's temple, although on the outside it looked ugly, the inside found judgment in God. And so you have two temples at the temple. One temple looks good on the outside, but is empty on the inside. The other one looks terrible on the outside, but is filled on the inside. I think that's so cool that Jesus kind of makes those comparisons while being at the temple. I think that's so cool. And then I actually want to end with this. I wasn't going to do this, but I want to end with this real quick. This is uh, verse 15, right after this parable. One day, some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never Enter it. I wanted to point this out really quick because 
I noticed something really cool in this that I never noticed before because you'll hear all the time, um, oh, it's good to have childlike faith, right? Childlike faith. What's funny is, is that's a saying that Christians say all the time, but Jesus never actually ever said that. It's never said in the Bible to have childlike faith. But this is, this is the, the verses that that saying comes from is when the children are coming to Jesus and Jesus says, you know, the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like this children and to receive the kingdom of God like a child. This is interesting. I actually really like this. There's a, another cool comparison, which actually kind of ties back into these first two parables, because here you have the disciples, right? Who are supposed to be, um, they're supposed to be following Jesus, right? Le- uh, following by his teaching. But here you have them saying, hey, Jesus, sorry, dog, you can't see these kids. You can't see him. So they went from disciples who are supposed to be following Jesus's, you know, lead. But here they're trying to lead Jesus and be like, nah, sorry, parents, keep these children away from Jesus. He doesn't have time for that. But Jesus says, no, 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 don't stop him. Because the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. And what's interesting is that he says that anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. So here here you have the disciples who are supposed to be children of God who are acting like Jesus's parents, telling him that he can't see certain people or that these children can't come to him. I think that's just kind of a little funny thing. Jesus is like, no, 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 you ain't my parents. You need to start acting like a child. But he's not saying act like a child. I think what he's saying here is obviously there's something about children that is so much more unique than adulthood. There's an innocence and a wonder and imagination that children hold that for some reason it just gets lost when you're an adult. I don't know if it's because you see too much life or you've had too many experiences or you start looking at things in, in a different way, but there's something about children. They have you this unique ability to just be in awe and wonder. And when they talk about God, you can just see the, the wonder in their eyes and they can just see how magnificent it truly is. And for some reason, we lose that when we're adults. So I think there's, there's a little bit of that in what Jesus is saying here. But I also think the main point that Jesus is trying to drive is not saying that we need to act like children how we know them, but we need to understand our role in our relationship with God. And our role is that we are his children. So we need to come to God as his children instead of trying to parent God and say, God, I need you to do this at this time and be this and be that for me. Come to God as a child. Trust that he will be a good father. Know that you are going to be provided for by your heavenly father. And it's the same um It's the same idea from the first parable we read with the persistent widow. What child, if they want something from their parents, just asks once? Y'all ever met a child that if they really want something from their parents, if they hungry or if they want a toy, that they're just like, hey, dad, can I have this? No. Okay, thanks. No, no, no. (laughs) The child continues to ask and continues to come back. It's like they have a short-term memory and they won't let the no affect them. They'll continue to be persistent. And so if we look at God as our heavenly father, which he is, then we'll understand how we're supposed to relate in this relationship with God. And so I think that's 
kind of what Jesus was saying here when he talked about receiving the God like a child. And I just wanted to point that out real quick because it ties back into the first parable we read with being persistent. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed this scripture study. I hope you enjoyed the parables. And my challenge to you is read some parables that Jesus gave and then reread them and read them again. And you'll start to notice different levels that Jesus sows in just knowledge and wisdom and hidden things that you wouldn't notice on a first read. But I will catch y'all next week for the next message. And I hope y'all have a great day. Peace out.